Hello and welcome to the third and final episode of the City of Defeat three-part series. I'm your host Dominic and I will be joined by Justin and guest Matt, who's a huge Islanders fan. In this episode, we will be discussing my favorite team, the New York Islanders, and their recent quest to capture a Stanley Cup and bring the trophy back to New York for the first time in over a decade. We will touch upon the Islanders' success in recent years and what they should do moving forward. So without further ado, let's get right to it. The New York Islanders are one of those episode one aforementioned New York teams to get so close to bringing a championship home to New York. The Islanders' run to the conference finals was the closest any New York sports team has been to capturing a title in a long time. So why don't we start this episode off with what they did to be so successful. I think the easy and obvious answer is the hiring of Barry Trotz. When Trotz came in to be the next Islanders head coach, the Islanders had missed the playoffs and lost their captain John Tavares. Almost every NHL analysis pinned them to finish last in the NHL, but under Trotz, the Islanders went from most goals allowed to fewest in just one season. As we know, when Barry Trotz was hired, the Islanders had a complete 180 turnaround. I mean, they went from most goals allowed to least. So with a coaching change as important as that, Justin, can you see something like when the Mets hired Buck Showalter, can you see like some similarities in how he kind of turned around the team? I mean, for sure. The Mets went through a bunch of managers for a couple years and things weren't really going well. Once Showalter came there, things changed drastically. I mean, he really instilled like a playing together philosophy and playing for each other instead of playing for one person. You know, don't play for their ego, play for the team. Good things happen. They win games. Trotz took them to the playoffs, where they would sweep the perennial juggernaut Pittsburgh Penguins. Then in the next series, they would ultimately lose to the Carolina Hurricanes. But the season was ultimately viewed as a major success. So Matt, what do you make of this season? There's a bunch of things I remember from this season. The great goalie tandem we had. Uh, Robin Leonard played there for one year or two years, and he won the Jennings Trophy, and he's a Long Island legend, even though... He's not even from the island. He's not even on the team anymore. He's just a legend. The fans loved him. Barzell was growing up, seeing all those guys grow up, and hiring Barry Trotz, the guy who just won the Stanley Cup with one of the greatest goal scorers of all time in Washington, Alex Ovechkin. It was a sign of good things to come, you know? Uh, and it actually got better and better and better. The next season was the COVID-riddled season where midway through, the season was shut down and reopened in June for the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Islanders took down the Florida Panthers, Washington Capitals, and the number one seeded Philadelphia Flyers en route to a conference finals appearance where they would sadly fall in overtime of Game 6 to the eventual Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning. Why do you think the Islanders weren't able to win this series? Tampa Bay was by far the best team in the NHL. I mean, there's a reason they won back-to-back and made it to the finals the next year. This Talk about having a good core. They have future Hall of Famers and, in my opinion, the best playoff goalie I've ever seen. There's never been a player like Andre Vasilevsky who could just shut down a game. Every Game 7 or clinching series game was a shutout or less than two goals. How can you have that as a goalie and not win? Like that series like that was tough. And the fact that the Islanders got it to six games, you're getting it to six games against this kind of team, this caliber team, it proved that the, the core that was a little old at the time and still is old, uh, was ready to win. Like we set ourselves up. That was the year um, I remember the Tampa Bay Lightning won and they were being criticized for their use of the, the salary cap. And they were, I mean, I think they were like 
They were, I forgot how much exactly they were over the cap. Nikita Kucherov was on the IR, and they would put these players that didn't need to be on the IR on the IR so they could manipulate the cap space. I thought it was 20 million. Then the next season was a massive success. The Islanders had a great record heading into the playoffs where they would beat the Penguins and Bruins, and then they would face the Lightning in the conference finals yet again. This time, the series went seven games, and the Islanders would lose in game seven with a final score of one to nothing. This was the last year of the Nassau Coliseum, and it was really loud. The atmosphere was amazing. I actually went to game three of the second round series versus the Bruins. That was probably the loudest experience I had ever had so far in my life. Fans were screaming so loud, you couldn't even hear the person next to you. It was just insane. I remember when Barzell scored the wraparound goal, the, the place went crazy. I, I just, I can't even put into words how much that, that moment was just, just such a great memory. So Matt, how much of an impact do you think the Nassau Coliseum and the Islanders fans had on the Islanders? Every player says this, that lives on Long Island or comes from Long Island, that Long Island is a home for people. These players stay. Like, I know a bunch of people, Islanders fans or non-Islanders fans, they could see, well, rest in peace, Clark Gillies, but they used to see him at a bar or something like that. You, these guys stay around. The Nassau Coliseum, talk about historic. One of the greatest moments in NHL history. A little bias here, but Bob Nystrom's goals obviously scored there uh, to win the Stanley Cup in the 80s during that di those dynasty years. The Coliseum and a, as a fan base, Long Island, it's kind of isolated a little. You know, it's an island, and it's this is our team. Like Dom said with that goal, Anthony Beauvillier, he scored the last goal in, at Nassau Coliseum in overtime to make it seven, uh, to bring it to Game 7. Kept it away from Beauvillier. Now Bailey over for the Islanders. Now off a giveaway, That is the greatest moment in Islanders history that I was able to watch. I, I don't think that it'll ever be beat. Hopefully it will. Hopefully there's a Stanley Cup in the future. But that moment lives rent-free in my head. Every day I, I could think about that. And all the fans, even though everybody criticized Islanders fans for throwing the garbage on the ice, it was the last game in Nassau Coliseum, which proves its impact. It's just an electric arena. And while I love UBS, Nassau Coliseum will always have a place in my heart. Yeah, I love the Nassau Coliseum. It was the place where I saw my first Islanders game, and I saw the last Islanders game with the Anthony Beauvillier goal. I remember watching that on my TV. It's just the excitement that happened when he scored. It, it was just so thrilling, just such an exciting, just an excellent moment. To go back on that, it's just so awesome thinking about it. Don't get me started on the shorthanded goal. Too. Oh my gosh, that, man. <laughs> that Ranger fans will always have this in their back pocket. The fact that we lost on a shorthanded goal one nothing. The problem with these Islanders teams, the reason they weren't champions was a lack of scoring. There was no superstar to score. Barzell is a great player. He's a Calder winner. We have the great goaltenders. You have Sorokin and Varlamov at this point. The problem was scoring. And Barzell's a playmaker. He sets up guys. And when he's playing on lines with guys like Josh Bailey, they're not really finishers. There was always this need at this point to find that scorer, that superstar. And that was Lou's job. His, his one job is to get the superstar. And in a couple of years, we'll see like how he tries to do that. The season after that, the Islanders would move to the new state-of-the-art UBS arena, but they would miss the playoffs that season. The season after that brings us to the current season. In the offseason leading up to this year, the Islanders would fire Barry Trotz and replace him with his assistant coach, Lane Lambert. 
Matt, do you think that was a good decision to make? This 2021-2022 season is, I don't want to say the word fluke, but it is an outlier season in a sense. The Islanders started off with 13, I believe, road games because UBS Arena was still being built. It was behind uh, for the season. And it didn't start off too great for the Islanders, and it kind of snowballed, and blame started to be going around. Oh, is it Josh Bailey? Is, it, is Barzell really worth the deal that they just gave him? All these different things uh, started to culminate and it led to the firing of Barry Trotz, who, uh, in my opinion, I think is a future Hall of Famer. I think he's top five and yeah. uh, coach wins all time. But he he was the victim, and he got fired. And Lane Lambert from the bench coach got hired. And while I can't really say if there was a good move or not yet, I think firing Barry Trotz, somebody had to take the blame. And it's a shame it was Barry, but the team had to go in a different direction at that point. Now that we are in present day where the Islanders are doing pretty good, they just recently acquired Bo Horvat, former captain of the Vancouver Canucks. How do you think he impacts the team moving forward? I think this is one of the best trades the Islanders have done uh, in recent memory. That's my opinion. Uh, Bo Horvat brought a spark to this team, this offense. Even though in recent games the Islanders have been choking and losing games, the amount of goals they score is substantial. And playing with Barzell... It gives Barzell a veteran who can score. It also gives the team just a spark, a spark that changes everybody. And like I said, they score more. But uh, Bo Horvat, big impact on the team. And while the Islanders did give up Anthony Beauvillier and uh, Ratu, with the extension of eight years, I think it was worth it. If Lou couldn't find that extension, it would not be worth it. it this was not a win-now situation. It is a win-now situation but it's not a deep-in-the-playoff run team. While this team is built for the playoffs, the, the injuries are stacking up right now. Just as we're recording this today, J.G. Pajot was just put on the IR, and they play a game tomorrow. So, <laughs> What areas do you think the Islanders can improve on? Well, the key to any sport, actually, is consistency. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care if it's basketball or baseball, football, hockey. You have to be consistent in your play style. You can't be one of those NFL teams that goes... Seven and nine, but you beat the best teams and you lose to the worst teams. you got to be consistent. That's the first step of being a good hockey team. But after that, it's scoring for this team. Like I said, Bo Horvat uh, was a great spark for this team. And uh, goaltending really isn't an issue. But they have to score when Sorokin gives you a good game. And you have to score when Varlamov gives you a good game. And vice versa. Varlamov has to save some goals, or Sorokin has to save some goals, when the offense gives six Seeing like this team be so inconsistent, seeing what they can be some games, well, if you score five goals and then you have an all-star goalie in that, you expect to win that game. Do you think the Islanders will make the playoffs? There's always that little beam of hope inside me uh, that believes it, and I, I do think so. You have to get on the right track now, though. There is no... I thought after the all-star break they would get on track, and they did the first game. The first game was a nice shutout uh, against the Kraken, but... Then you lose games to the Canadians and Ottawa. You're watching this team who plays good play bad. I really do hope they make the playoffs. I could see it. When it gets to playoff time, I believe the Islanders will be less than 10 points out of a playoff spot, but I don't think they will make it unless a turnaround happens in this month of February or March. Well, the Islanders have three games against Pittsburgh and three games against the Capitals left in the season, and I think the Islanders... I think the Islanders can make the playoffs. They really need to 
you know, they need to win the majority of those six games against the Capitals and the Penguins, as the Penguins and Capitals are just a few points ahead of the Islanders. I like that word they use, consistency. If the Islanders, for the remainder of the season, are consistent, they play strong, they play fast, and they play hard, like, I know they can. And that's how, when they play like that, that's when they're at their best. I think if they play consistent hockey the rest of the way, I think they'll get into the playoffs. I would like to end on this last one. Do you think going forward the Islanders are in a good spot to make a run at a championship? Right now, if they don't make the playoffs this year, I see a full rebuild incoming. I think the core is too old. I think it's, it's like I said earlier, it's been the same my entire life. Uh, you have Josh Bailey on this team forever. You have Brock Nelson on this team forever. J.G. Peugeot's been in the, on this team for three years now, and that fourth line, like I said earlier, is that fourth line has been here forever. And those guys only got older, so I see full rebuild in the future. But obviously, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a nice Islanders playoff berth. And uh, I'll say this as my last word: there is nothing like playoff hockey. It is the best playoffs. I'm kind of the opposite of Matt. I think the Islanders are actually in a good spot to make a run at a championship. Just these past few years, the Islanders made back-to-back conference finals with Barry Trotz. And I think I see that same group there that just made it these past few years. And I like the core in place with Barzell and Horvat now. Barzell, Horvat, and then obviously Nelson. I mean, the center depth is just in, in, incredible for the Islanders. And when it comes to the playoff time, winning faceoffs and having strong centermen down the middle is a really huge advantage. Big, big advantage. The word again, consistent. If the Islanders just keep playing consistent to their capability that we know they can play at, I think they'll be fine. Justin, something the Islanders need to do for the remainder of the season is play consistent. Do you see sort of a pattern with the Mets with their consistency? The thing I see with the Mets in particular is that last year, they were consistent throughout the whole year until when they needed to be consistent. Like towards the end of the year when they made the playoff push and when they needed to actually win games, they fell apart. And I mean, I play baseball. I've played a lot of sports growing up and you're not going to play and you're not going to do well if you don't if you're not consistent. That's the biggest part of the game. You could be an average player, but if you're consistently average, you could be good at it. If if you're just not consistent, if you're good at the sport but you're not nowhere near consistent, you're never going to be good. And what they talk about with the Islanders and stuff is consistency. And if you're consistently good, good things tend to happen. Thank you guys for listening to the third and final episode of The City of Defeat. I'm Dominic, and I was joined by Justin and special guest Matt. Today we discussed and went over the New York Islanders' recent quest to lift the Stanley Cup and be the team to bring a championship back to New York. I believe the New York Islanders are in a good spot, and I think the right pieces are in place for them to hopefully have success in the future.